الحمدللہ وکفا وسلام علی عباده الذین استفا اما بعد فاعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم یا ایوہ الذین آمنوا لما تقولون ما لا تفعلون کبرا مقتن اند اللہ ان تقولوا ما لا تفعلون سبحان ربک رب العزت اما اسفون وسلام علی المرسلین والحمدللہ رب العالمین اللہم سنی علی سیننا محمد وعلی آل سیننا محمد وبارک وسلم دین اب اسلام اللہ سبحانہ وتعالی ان قرآن ان نبی کریم صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم have mentioned a lot about the use of our tongue guarding our speech we should be careful how we talk we should be careful in our tone in our tenor in our language in our choice of words because our tongue is the gateway to our behavior that person who has a well-mannered tongue is a well-mannered person and that person who has a foul-mannered tongue becomes a foul-mannered person and there's so many many different diseases of the tongue we may spend a couple of days on this topic and imam ghazairi mullah in particular has enumerated in great detail and he was muslim ummah he was muzakkiya ummah he was concerned with the purification and rectification of the people and he knew that until they fix their tongue until they purify their tongue they will never be able to purify their heart and so now we want to spend some time learning from our deen on how to purify our heart how to purify our tongue in fact allah taala says in quran al-karim yaquluna bi afwahihim ma laysa fi qulubihim that they say with their mouths what is not in their hearts so this is another type of nifaq another type of hypocrisy the first ayah recited allah taala says ya ayyuhalladhina amanu o you believe the ma taqulun why do you say those things ma la taf'alun that you yourself do not do kabura maktan indallah this is a severe a severe transgression in the regard of allah taala an taqulu ma la taf'alun that you say what you do not do then allah taala said it clearly in quran so we understood how carefully we have to watch this tongue ma yalfudu min qawlin illa ladayhi raqibun atid that there is no single word uttered or pronounced ma yalfudu there is no utterance of speech except that there is a watcher near that person speaking ready to record and note everything that was said allahu akbar kabira look how strongly allah taala is making us feel how we should talk and nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in a sahih hadith al muslimu man salima al muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadi that the, the true muslim real muslim virtuous muslim is that muslim who all the others all muslimun every single muslim he and she is free free and protected from him the harm of his tongue and from the harm of her hands so this is a very important topic that we must learn now in our deen the way this was normally taught was in the history of our deen ta'lim and tarbiya these two things always went together ta'lim and tarbiya education and upbringing 
Ta'lim means schooling, education, formally acquiring knowledge. Whether one does that at elementary level, primary school, middle school, whether one goes the path of Islamic knowledge, Darul Uloom, institutions of Islamic learning, Madaris Arabiya, or whether a person goes the other route of secular learning, high school, college, university, but all of these things are called Ta'lim. But in our deen, the places of Darul Uloom and Madrasa, they had another thing which is called Tarbiya, had Tarbiya. Now our problem is that the vast majority of mothers and women will probably be sending their children to regular schools. And now we have increasing number of girls going to high school and colleges and universities. So these are places where they don't get tarbiyah. And even in some madaris and darloom, if one was to be very forthright about it, even in some madaris and darloom, the standard of tarbiyah is obviously much better than the school, college and university, but still is not as it used to be. Why? Because tarbiyah, understand it maybe like this, Talim and education is given by institutions and tarbiyah is given by individuals. For proper tarbiyah, for upbringing, a person needs to be nurtured, they need to be groomed by the hand of a person who tries to transform them into a noble, upright, virtuous insan. So one of the great tasks of the anbiya, anbiya, Prophets and Messengers, even Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the tarbiyah of insan. Because Allah Ta'ala sent the Prophets alayhi salam ajma'in to this world to transform people into virtuous beings. People of good character, good manners, people of pure and noble speech and pure and noble hearts. Now when the Anbiya passed away, and when the last and final Prophet, Khatam al-Nabiyyin, Imam al-Awwaleen wal-Akhireen, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he passed away from this world, so then where did this task go to? So Nabi Kareem sallallahu mentioned, Al-Ulama'u warasat al-Anbiya, the work of Nabuwa is transferred to the ulama. So all the way until the Day of Judgment, there will be ulama, such men and such women ulama, who will have this connection with Allah Ta'ala in their heart, that they must take up this mantle of tarbiyah. And specifically in our deen, that aspect of tarbiyah is called tazkiyah. So actually not only must women be learning tazkiyah, ultimately there must be women who can guide young girls and young children on this path of tazkiyah. Because yes, as much it is tarbiyah is the task of the anbiya, and tarbiyah was the task of the awliya, tarbiyah is also the task of the parents of this ummah, the fathers and mothers of this ummah. But how can the mother do tarbiyah of her, tarbiyah of her children if she herself has not been able to mold herself in pure and noble character? So this is why the women would classically, they would learn from Mashaikh, they would take this path, they would follow and practice the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that their tarbiyah was done. And then when that woman's heart was purified and her tongue was purified, then there were so many children and so many women folk in her family and so many nieces and so many female cousins and so many young nephews and so a whole world of tarbiyah would open up. 
But as soon as the women left this path of Tazkiyah, neglected the path of Tasawwuf, no longer had taluk with Mashayikh, so then their own Tarbiyah wasn't done. Now when their own Tarbiyah wasn't done, she still had that range. She was still in contact with her children, her young nieces and nephews, and all other women in her family. But she couldn't be their Murabbi. She couldn't guide them. She couldn't nurture their character. Then it descended even further. Then when, if it was a woman who not only did she have, not have tarbiyah, but then she could fall into gossiping and backbiting and envy and jealousy and rivalry. So then what happened? Something we see very widespread that the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, they can't get along. Why? Because of backbiting, envy, jealousy, rivalry. Two sisters-in-law, they can't get along. Why? Because of backbiting, envy, jealousy, rivalry. Means the absence of tarbiyah caught up with them. The lack of tarbiyah caught up with them. And now they couldn't preserve their tongues from each other. They couldn't preserve their hearts from hurting each other. And all of this in that same range, between cousins, between in-laws, within family, between siblings, which was the same range, home range, close range of close relatives. This is why in our deen, the word for relative also comes from the same root of near. In qaf your aqriba, muqarrab, kareeb. These words mean your relative. Hmm? Then another way Allah Ta'ala explained it is from rahm. Rahm. Zawatul arham. Also it means yes from the womb, but it also means from mercy. So mercy, rahm and qurb. Mercy and nearness. These are the two major features of relatives. But this would only happen when the people had tarbiyah. When they didn't have tarbiyah, they lost the mercy between each other. They lost the qurb and the nearness and support to each other. And then when a woman emerges from this situation, then it leads to a whole other range of sins. Whole other range of sins. Because what you might happen is now the twisted, the twisted nature of leaving deen. With this dalala, it comes back and twists what happens. That there might be a young girl who, mashallah, she is pious, she is virtuous, she is soft of character, she is nice, she doesn't misuse her tongue, she doesn't misuse her heart, but she grew up in this environment where people were misusing their tongue, misusing their heart, so she didn't get kurb from her home, she didn't get rahm from her home, so when she leaves the home in the name of high school or college or university, she seeks that kurb and rahm outside the home and she finds it in ghair mahram. This is the consequence of this lack of tarbiyah. This is the consequence of having a foul tongue. All the way it can end up compromising the haya, dignity, chastity, modesty of the young women. And she wasn't a bad girl in that sense. She actually wasn't doing it for physical lust. She was doing it for that rahm and qurb, that nearness, that love, that affection, that kindness, that support. Allah Akbar. But then she ended up betraying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's so important that the homes and the families become pure and pious and virtuous again. And that the homes and the families have peace and harmony between their hearts. And that begins with peace and harmony between their speech and the words they say to one another and the words they say about one another. So we can never underestimate this tarbiyah. And yes, why is this topic of women's bayan? Because the woman is the ultimate leader of the house in these matters. 
The man may be the leader in terms of financial matters or in terms of decision, but who sets the tone of the home? Who will determine whether the home is the one of pure speech? Who has the most influence on the home environment, on the family environment, on the relations between family members, on the upbringing of children? That is the mother, that is the woman. She is the just first, she is the first and foremost in this realm. So it's critical then that the women must take this topic seriously and the women must inculcate these teachings in their heart and they must fix the use of their tongue because the tongue is the beginning. Once they purify their tongue, inshallah they will be able to purify their hearts. And when a person becomes like that, pure, hanif, when a person becomes like that, hanif, then what does Allah Ta'ala do? That Allah Ta'ala takes that one person and they make them transform a whole khandan, a whole clan, a whole extended family, a whole neighborhood, a whole community. Like Sayyidina Ibrahim Salam, he was hanif. So when Allah Ta'ala described him in Quran, inna Ibrahim kana ummah, that indeed Ibrahim was like a whole ummah in of himself. A whole ummah in of himself. So there used to be women who were like that. Like Allah Ta'ala tells us in Quran that we must follow Millat Ibrahim. We must be Hanif like he was. We must be pure like he was. Hmm? So there used to be women in families like that that were pillars of Tarbiyah. They were pillars of Noor. But as the women left the ilm, they left zikr, they left their ibadat, they left their amal. So now we have entire family structures sometimes. Not just immediate family, entire extended family structure sometime where there's no one woman like that left. Allah Akbar. Then you can imagine what happens to that house when there's no one column left standing, there's no pillar left standing, so that house collapses. And when it collapses, what happens? Each brick falls on the other brick. This is what happens. Family feud. Allah Akbar. Family strife family discord and it hurts you yourself then the woman finds herself in a situation she tells husband oh, I don't want to go to that relative's house or oh, I don't want to be near them oh, I don't want to live with your parents anymore she tells her husband oh your brother's wife I can't stand her you yourself will be the first person to be affected by this you are the most affected by this strife hmm? so you're victimizing your own self it's a classic way of what Allah Ta'ala said, الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ They did backbiting and had envy and jealousy and used harsh words and it came back to haunt them. Like we explained to you last night, what goes around comes around. There will be no plotting, scheming that you can do against any woman in your family or community except that it will come back to haunt you. So there's so many, many aspects. So many aspects don't understand that this tongue has led us into such tragedies and travesties. So we must be strong. So we want all of you, the women who are present in the hall or listening wherever you might be, to listen carefully to these sessions and listen to your heart and make niyyah that you want to change the whole spirit and outlook and attitude of your heart. And many times we recommend our students and we recommend the women also that you should write these things down. You should have a notebook with you. You should have a pen with you. Just like when we used to sit with our shaykh, alhamdulillah, we used to write down 
And I think this is one of the sadnesses about the world of digital recording. A person thinks they're making notes, but it's very difficult to listen to the whole recording again. If you make notes in your writing, you can scan a one and a half hour bayan in 20 minutes. You can remind and refresh yourself of the key points in 10 minutes. If you have digital recording, you will have to listen to the whole thing again for one and one and a half hour. So this generally also we were going to say this to our men who are with us and also the women who are in the hall or any men and women who are listening. If you take written notes, you will be able to even sometimes, not 10 minutes, even at a glance, even at a single glance, you will be able to remind yourself and refresh these teachings. And really, these teachings of Tazkiyah and Tarbiyah, they need that reinforcement, they need that repetition. I remember our beloved Shaykh, Hazrat Jesus Fakar Ahmad Nakshabandi Mujaddi Dhamad Barkatum. He told us about his Shaykh, Hazrat Khwaja Ghulam Habib, Pir Murshid Alim Ram Tailay, that he used to say to his students that you're not my murid unless you have a pen and paper with you. Allah Akbar, he said, you're not really my true sincere murid. Because if you're a sincere learner, sincere seeker, you would want to pen and note these teachings down. And this was a great tradition in our deen. So many of the great mashayikh, their noted sayings and teachings which are called malfuzat, they've been preserved to us. The vast majority of what we know about the teachings of Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani Ramtale is from his malfuzat, his noted sayings and teachings that his sincere muridin compiled. So it means that don't limit yourself only to listening. You should have a book, you should have a notebook that you fill with these things and that notebook will be like your kitab of taskiyah, your book of taskiyah that you continually renew. So why am I saying notebook? Don't put it on scattered pieces of paper, small little chits or slips of paper that you will lose later. So you should show your seriousness, your seriousness in learning. You should come on time, you should listen, you should record, you should stay till the end, you should share the notes with others. MashaAllah, we have some women students who are so good that way. They share with those who weren't there. Sometimes the act of sharing it with someone else, Allah Ta'ala accepts that so much that He puts that teaching in your heart. Maybe it didn't enter your heart when you listened to it. Maybe it didn't enter your heart when you wrote it down. But this act of yours that you shared it with someone else out of ikhlas, out of purity, that act of sharing might make Allah Ta'ala make it now have a direct effect in your heart. Here the topic today is about how to use the tongue carefully. So first point is that whenever a believer uses her tongue, her words carry a lot of weight. Her words have power and she will have to account for those words on the day of judgment. So the first example you can understand that when a person wants to make the biggest change in their life, the biggest change in their life, that they want to change from being non-Muslim and to become Muslim. So how does Deen say you should do that? You will do that with your tongue, you will do that with words. Yes, you must have the feeling in the heart, tasdeek in your heart, but you must express it with the tongue. You must say these words. And if you don't say the words, then the ulama will say you are not yet believer. And if you say the words, they will say you are believer. How many words? Was it a long? No, it's one sentence. Ashadu la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammadar rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam. One sentence. So this tells us the power of words. Prior to saying the sentence, 
If it was a woman like that, she would have been kafira, mushraka. She would have not been the friend of Allah Ta'ala. Saying this sentence, she becomes the friend of Allah Ta'ala. The Nabi Kareem Sallallahu said hadith, that when a person accepts iman and recites kalima, Allah Ta'ala forgives them for all of their sins, even if they had been decades, hundreds of years of sins. By saying one sentence. So what did we learn from this? That just a few words from from a few words from our tongue, the whole course of our life can change entirely. Hmm? So she should think every word is as powerful like that. This sentence I'm going to say to this person, this sentence I will say on the phone, this message I will write in anger, this way I reprimand my child, every sentence has that power. She should realize the power of the sentences, even the short sentences, phrases that... <clears throat> that she says by looking at the power of the sentence of kalima. Then the second example, maybe the second major decision a person can make in their life is their nikah. Their nikah. Now here it's not just even sentences or phrase like the kalima. Here it's just one word, kabiltu, that I accept. So when the woman, she says it, I accept him. Now she might say it verbally. She might authorize somebody to say it for her. She might say, my silence equals my consent. But her silence equals the one word, kabiltu. The other person, wakil, he also equals just one word, kabiltu. That I accept him. I mean, if it's a woman, I accept, means I accept so-and-so as my husband. It's one word, one word. Allahu Akbar. So what does it mean? So if the man says that word, then the woman becomes a wife. The woman says or expresses that word in any way that the shi'a recognizes the man becomes husband. Huge change. Prior to that one word, that person was ghair mehram. That person was haram to look at, haram to touch, haram to be with. Huh? And saying one word makes such a flip. Hmm? So now she should think that every word I say has power. Every word I say has weight. Every word I say has value. And you also know the other tragic thing, that if it's the other way around, somebody pronounces even one word of divorce by uttering one word, 20-year marriage, 40-year marriage, 50-year marriage, lifetime together, lifetime of sharing, many children, grandchildren, one word is strong enough to cut that bond. Allahu Akbar. So our, is, this is our Sharia is teaching us through these rulings, legal rulings of Iman and Kalima and these legal rulings of Nikah and Talaq that how much power a single sentence and a single word has. So that means we should use our sentences, phrases and words very carefully. Our sentences, phrases and words very carefully. We on the other hand, we're careless Careless when we use our tongue. Sometimes we speak and even sometimes we realize Allah Ta'ala blesses us with this conscience. Our heart gives us a little signal that watch what you're saying. Be careful. But what does she do? She's a bulldozer. She steamrolls right over that. She suppresses her own inner fitra furqan, her own inner conscience and she keeps on speaking. Allah Akbar. She rolls right on without any care, without realizing, without considering how her words might affect others. 
how her words might affect her heart, how her words will affect her deen, how her words will affect her relationship with Allah. Will these words hurt that person? Will they cause some harm to that person? Will they cause sadness to that person? What will happen when I go on the Day of Judgment and these words are witnessed and testified to by the angels in my book of deeds? How will I answer for these words? How will I explain to Allah Ta'ala why I use these words? She doesn't think any of that. She just rolls right on. Hmm? So no, this is why our Mashaikh, it's such a very major aspect of tasawwuf, how to control the tongue, how to train our tongue. Hmm? Our own Shaykh used to say, I've he spent 22 years in the company of a sheikh learning how to correct his tongue. Allahu Akbar Kabira. What does it mean? Maybe I explain. That the mashaykh want to correct a person to the level that they reach a level that no single sin of the tongue remains. They create a person. This is tarbiyah. To raise a person to the level that they could never lie, they could never backbite, they can never gossip, they can never express envy, they can never express anger, they are never harsh. Allah Akbar, never. Not even one word comes like that on their tongue. Hmm? This is the target. This is called tazkiyah. Not even a single word should remain like that. And then it goes backward then, that not even the chance of a word coming, not even the thought of such a word, not even the niyat intention of such a word. That's how deep this tazkiyah is. That's how deep this process of tazkiyah is. Now, some second point. Allah Ta'ala mentions in Quran Al-Kareem, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا يَسْخَرْ قَوْمٌ مِّنْ قَوْمٍ يَسْخَرْ تَسْخِيرٌ No group should ever scoff at another group. No group should scoff at another group. أَسَا أَنْ يُكُونُوا خَيْرًا مِّنْهُمْ It's possible that the ones that you are scoffing, you are looking down, you are belittling, you are belittling, they might be better than you. And Allah Ta'ala made it clear in this verse also for the wala nisa ummin nisa in and no women should ever do this tasheer, no women should ever scoff, reprimand, belittle, view as less, use their tongue against other women. Asa ayyukunna khairam minhunna. Maybe the ones that you're scoffing at are actually better than the ones who are speaking. Hmm? وَلَا نِسَاءٌ مِّن نِسَاءٍ No women should do this to other women. Don't use your tongue on another woman. Don't let your tongue loose on another woman. Don't belittle, scoff, view as less than you another woman. أَن يُكُنَّ خَيْرٌ مِّنْهُنَّ How do you know in the eyes of, in the regard of Allah, she might be better than you. So then, you're talking about somebody? who's better in Allah Ta'ala's regard than you. Hmm? That's why our Mashaikh, it's not Hadith, but our Mashaikh used to say that this tongue is a small organ, small, soft piece of flesh, yet it is capable of doing immense and harsh and hard sins. So strange. Something that is so small and soft can commit sins that are so immense and so hard. Then you know Third point from Hadith. And let's look at some Hadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-ghibatu ashaddu min al-zina. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And this is such an amazing thing. 
such an intense statement. And inshallah, there will be beyond coming and the next topic will be this topic about women protecting their haya. But probably today and tomorrow we will still talking about tongue. So we put this first. Why? Because our Nabi Kareem sallallahu told us that this is even more evil. And the mind can't understand this. Hmm? The mind doesn't understand. So one reason is that zina breaks your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that can be mended through istighfar and toba. Ghiba breaks your relationship with His creation. Ghiba breaks your relationship with creation. And that's not just about you saying sorry. Maybe you say sorry, the person won't forgive you. You say, Allah Ta'ala is all forgiving. Creation is not all forgiving. You say sorry to Allah Ta'ala truly, He will forgive you entirely. But sometimes it can happen that you say sorry to somebody truly, they don't forgive you. So many times women will say that. They will tell their husband that, oh, it was wrong. I shouldn't have spoken like that to your mother. But now I don't want to do. I've been saying sorry to her. I'm trying to make it up to her. I'm trying to sit with her. But she's still upset with me. Hmm? I can't make it up to her. I don't know what to do. And what does the husband do in that situation? Then this also affects the marriage. You put the husband in this sandwich between his wife and his mother. Hmm? You boxed him in. And then it spreads. Then he'll say, it's your fault. You yourself are saying you were wrong. She says, but now what am I supposed to do? I'm trying to say sorry. Now you're becoming angry with me. He'll say, yes, I'm angry. You see, it explodes. It explodes in you. It explodes in front of you. Another reason ghibah is worse than zina is that ghibah creates suspicion and doubts in people. So two women are whispering. The woman thinks, maybe they're talking about me. What are they saying about me? Then she starts assuming the worst of them. She's having doubts about them. She goes to husband. She thinks, I think your sister is the one. I think your sister said bad things about me to your mother. I think your sister said this. I think your brother's wife said this. Oh, you know, today I went to visit, when we went to visit your brother's house, your brother's wife was a bit cool with me. I think your mother's been telling her things. It creates this environment of doubt and suspicion and hostility and enmity between the hearts. And there's no cure for it. There's no cure for it. Famous hadith in Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it was about fasting. And when the Nabi Kareem told them there was women about this hadith that the backbiting breaks their fast and then they vomit it up. Hmm? Allah Akbar. The power of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's words. And Allah Ta'ala explains in Quran that would any of you like to eat the flesh of your fellow believer? Hmm? Allah, it's like cannibalizing a person. This is what Allah Ta'ala was trying to say. When you lose, when you let your tongue loose about someone, it's like cannibalizing the person. And then the worst form of all of the sins, of all of these moral sins, are when done in deen. So when you backbite the person of deen, Allahu Akbar Kabira, this has also become extremely widespread extremely widespread and even very good, otherwise good workers of deen. But they do ghibat. They just can't control themselves. They do this, this exactly, listen to what Allah Ta'ala said in Quran again, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu la yaskhar qawman min qawm. Oh, one jamaat, don't view that other jamaat as less than you. Don't view their work of deen as less important than yours. Asa'an yakunu khayram minhum. Maybe in fact their work of deen is better than yours. Hmm? 
This happens so much secretly in hush circles, in their close circles. Allahu Akbar Kabira. This is also a type of ghibah. And when you do ghibah of a whole jamaat, then you need that whole jamaat to forgive you. You do ghibah of a whole silsila, you need all those people to forgive you. You need ghibah of a whole darlum, you need the whole darlum to forgive you. How would that happen? <laughs> How you even get a chance to say sorry to so many people? That's the second thing, whether they accept your apology and they forgive you. How you even get a chance to say sorry like that? Allahu hmm? Akbar. Ashad, ashadu min zina Al-ghibatu ashadu min zina Sadaq al-Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is one major sin of the tongue that we must avoid it completely. We must beg Allah Ta'ala in these last 10 days and nights that may Allah Ta'ala forgive us for any backbiting we may have done. May He enable us somehow miraculously to be forgiven by those people. May He enable us to forgive everyone else who did our backbiting. Maybe Allah Ta'ala can put it in that person's heart. Maybe they will make dua on some night that Ya Allah, I want you to forgive me. Therefore I forgive all the people that backbited me. And then Alhamdulillah, you will be relieved from that. So make dua, Ya Allah, inspire the hearts of all the people who I ever hurt and I ever backbited. Inspire them, Ya Rabb, in this month to waive all the rights that they have over everyone so that I may be forgiven by them. And I ask that Ya Rabbi Karim, you forgive me from the sin of backbiting them. It's a major thing. You know if a person was stuck in zina and they wanted to come out, how much effort they would make for that, how many duas they would make, how many people's help they would seek. So the same thing should be a person. If she is stuck in this backbiting, she is caught in backbiting, she needs help, she needs guidance, she must get training of mashaykh, she must practice the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when you make zikr of Allah ta'ala, your heart is more focused on khalik, your heart is more focused on the creator, then you become less interested in creation, less aware of creation, less bothered by creation, then you automatically have less hostility towards creation. So this major sin of backbiting. And second major sin of the tongue is called lying. Lying. This also comes in Hadith. Then Vyakareem sallallahu alayhi wa said that a person starts lying. And then they continue lying. And then they keep on lying. Such that lying becomes like their adat. It becomes their habit. Then they keep on lying. I'm just explaining to you in English. Such that lying becomes their sifat. It becomes their attribute. Why? Because the Nabiya word was that Allah Ta'ala writes their name as kathab. Allah Ta'ala declares that person to be kathab, to be a severe sinner. Severe sinner, intense liar. Severe sinner and an intense liar. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And some of us, we have that. We have this habit of telling lies. And the strangest way they cover this up in English, they call it a white lie. They have words for this. They call it a fib. Allah Akbar. Fib. Huh? What does it mean? To sell some small lies here and there. Our Messiah used to train, don't say any lie at all. So somebody calls on the phone and the mother should tell the daughter or tell them I'm not here. But that's a lie. Tell them I'm unavailable. That could have been the truth. You choose to be unavailable for whatever reason. But you could say a different word that's more proper, more correct. We tell small lies like that. We tell lies in the name of exaggeration. We tell lies in the name of exaggeration. 
so much exaggerating done. That's all lies. Every conscious exaggeration is a lie. Then we tell lies about other people. This is another class of lie. It's called slander and namima. We spread lies. One is to tell lies. One is to spread lies. False information, false rumors, lying, gossiping. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Now you imagine that if Allah Ta'ala orders the angels to write this person's name as Kazab, hmm? then you're going to make dua. Allah say, Kazab is making dua to me. I won't accept her dua. You'll be praying salah. Kazab is praying to me. I don't accept her salah. Hmm? Oh, is you'll be making dawah. Oh, Kazab is making dawah. I put no acceptance in his dawah. The people might accept it. Allah Ta'ala won't accept it. Never be fooled. The people might accept it. They might change. Allah Ta'ala won't accept it. Because Allah Ta'ala says, Kazab. Kazab means Allah Ta'ala does not accept anything that this person does with their tongue thereafter. All their salah, all their dua, all their dawah, all of it finished. Ghair makbul in the law. They're kazab. You know how devastating this word is? This word is used for the greatest lie. The greatest lie in our deen. There are two greatest lies. One is to deny the existence of Allah Ta'ala. And second is to claim nabuwa. So, Masaylamatul kazab. Mirza Ghulam Muhammad Kandini al-kazab. This is the word that was used for such people. So you don't want that Allah Ta'ala, right? Have the angels write your name in the ranks of Kazab where these false prophets were, where the atheists are, the deniers of Allah Ta'ala are. Hmm? That's the list of the enemies of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Enemies of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So if we're slandering someone by lying, insulting someone, there's a third, third sin is the taunting and insulting. Taunting, insulting, hurting. Now this can sometimes be done by speaking the truth. And this is not always done behind the back. This can be face to face. So it's not ghibat. It can be saying truth. So it's not lying. It's a third disease. Taunting, insulting, hurting someone to their face. Hmm? Maybe you remind them of their past. You say something true. You make, you, you make fun of them. You call them ugly. You call them short. You say something to them. Hmm? Allahu Akbar Kamira. That you point out the faults of someone. You should be scared. What if Allah Ta'ala points out your faults to you on the Day of Judgment? What if Allah Ta'ala talks to you the way you talk to her today? You talk to her like that today, you're in danger. Allah Ta'ala will talk to you on the morrow, on your Malqiyama. This yelling, screaming, shouting, insulting, taunting, hurting. It's happening in homes. It's not happening. Again, it's happening in homes, the places where there was supposed to be Raham and Qurb. It's happening to the husband is doing it to wife. Wife is doing it to husband. Allah hmm? Akbar, I wish I never married you. You're good for nothing. Allah Akbar. Huh? What a way to talk. Hmm? What a way to talk to someone. It's a disease. It's a disease. It's a cancer, spiritual cancer of the tongue. You should view it like that. If somebody had physical cancer of the tongue, you'd be so worried, you'd be so concerned, you'd want to get a cure. So if you have any of these spiritual cancers of the tongue, backbiting, or lying, or slander, rumor, mongering, or even hurtful direct speech, taunting, insulting, hurting others, then how much, how much should we have to safeguard this? 
And then Nabi Kareem sallallahu he said once in a hadith that whomsoever gives me a guarantee to safeguard that which is between his jaws, means their tongue, right behind their teeth, and that which is between their thighs, the Prophet said that I will guarantee that person Jannah. Two things he said, that you guard what is between your jaws and guard what is between your thighs. Allah Akbar Kabira. I will get Nabi Kareem sallallahu saying, I will guarantee that person Jannah. What came first? Again, this came first. Just like Aghibat Ashaddu Minazina, Aghibat came first. In this hadith, what came first? The jaws came first. Hmm? So, what does it mean? Now, imagine, just imagine how many people will have to be punished in hell for the second sin, for not being able to guard their chastity and modesty. So even more people, Muhaddisin wrote that when Nabi Yaqutim put this first, it means even more people will be punished by the fire of Jahannam because of the misuse of their tongue, because their inability, failure to guard their tongue. Allah Akbar. And then our Mashaikh would explain it this way, that Allah Ta'ala has to help us guard, safeguard the use of our tongue. Allah Ta'ala put double protection. In the first the tongue is behind the rows of teeth, the jaws. And then the second border is the lips. So behind two fortress walls, Allah Ta'ala placed the tongue. Hmm? Allah Akbar. Means to use the tongue, you must open your lips, open up, open up the first fortress wall, and then you have to part your teeth and speak, open up the second fortress wall. Hmm? Why? Dhar Mashaikh used to say, because Allah Ta'ala knew this part of the body is very dangerous. So putting it behind double boundary wall, Allah Ta'ala was letting us know that, oh my slave, my servant, before opening these boundary walls, be careful and keep the consequences in mind. Keep the consequences in mind. And this is the true, just to complete this topic, on the second sin, to guard what is in your thighs, this is the concept of sunnah clothing. Sunnah clothing. For women also and men, the teaching of haya is that from the navel to the knee should be double covered. There should be an upper garment, there should be a lower garment that covers that, and there should be an upper garment over that that covers that. And for women when they go outside, they must have yet a third garment, their jalabib, their jilbab, you, today people call abaya, your cloak, your gown, your robe, your long coat. They should have a third garment, triply covered. Allahu Akbar Kabira. So it's very important, the men also, and although ladies behind me just tell the men who are sitting in Sunnah Itikaf, try always to keep that double covering. It's part of the Sunnah teaching of Haya. You want that upper garment over that lower garment, always to be covering from your waist to your knees. And here, better that you take the more precautionary position, which is that of Imam Abu Hanifa, that it includes the knees. Includes the knees. Hmm? So here, that was the double so We were talking to you about the tongue So the double covering of the tongue Was the teeth and the jaws And the person's lips Once in Abu Bakr Siddiq He held his tongue between his fingers And he said, O oh people It is because of this That a great number of people Will go to the fire of Jahannam hmm? So one way now To cure this tongue Is to keep the tongue busy in zikr and ibadah and to keep the tongue busy in silent reflection and to keep the tongue busy in nasiha and dawah. 
the more you keep the tongue busy in these three things, zikr, dua, ibadah. Number two, silence. Silence. And number three, nasiha, ad-deenu nasiha. Like Nabi Kareem sallallahu said, the more you keep your tongue busy in these three things, the more you will be able to stay away from those three sins of ghibat and lying, backbiting and lying and direct hurtful speech. And this is what you find. If you take an interview of somebody, she says, I have a loose tongue, I have anger. So you ask, you'll see that she's lacking these three things. Very little zikr and du'as on her tongue. Sometimes her tongue is empty of zikr and du'a. Very rare does she remain silent. She's always talking, always lashing out. And very rare can she use her tongue for nasiha to help and guide others towards deen. Do you find that's missing in her life? You should also reflect on your life. You should get scared. If these three noble, virtuous uses of the tongue are missing in my life, then I am in deep danger of falling into one of the wrong uses of the tongue. Even silence, many times silence, like they say in English, it's like a proverb, silence is golden. Yes, it's so true. Silence is golden. Even from our Mashaikh, the Shaykh of Imam Rabbani Namtale, his name was Hazrat Khwaja Baqi Billah Namtale. So he used to remain silent so much. So once one of his married, he said, The Shaykh, give some nasiha, give some advice, some counsel, that you remain silent so much. So the Shaykh told him that, Oh, young man, oh, my student, that person who cannot benefit from my silence, they will not be able to benefit from my speech. In just one, two months before coming, I was reading Sahih of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam that sometimes after Fajr Salah, he would sit in silence and the Sahaba would come close and sit in silence such that the birds would even come and perch on their soldiers. It looked to us like it was maybe some type of majlis of muraqabah. Huh? Subhanallah. Not literally, but it was a sitting and silent contemplation and reflection and silent zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm? Allah Akbar. Another reason silence is golden now in the other sense is that sometimes the way to control your tongue is silence. Silence is the best control. What does it mean? It's not always necessary. If the husband says something, the wife has to talk back. The wife has to respond. We don't always have to react. Hmm? We don't always have to be rapid reaction force hmm? that is always on alert and ready. Huh? That let someone just say one sentence to me and I will launch ten at them. Hmm? Some people are like that. Huh? They're just ready all the time. Hmm? No, no, no. Silence. Empty, empty all your firearms. Let them go. Huh? Stand there empty without any weapons. Be silent. Hmm? What is the firearm was your tongue. We always are holding the weapon of the tongue, ready to use it. Throw the weapon down. Become a person of silence. Hmm? Oh, the silence can save a person so much, so much. If people have been trained in silence, many divorces would have been avoided. If people have been trained in silence, many sins of zina would have been avoided. If people have been trained with silence, many families would no longer be broken. If people have been trained in silence, so much ghibah would have been avoided. Trained in silence, lying would have been avoided. Trained in silence, hurting would have been avoided. That's why in our Mishayif, they teach us zikr kalbi. This is a side effect. Can you imagine huh, if the side effect of this is something so great, what is the asal intended effect? Hmm? Well, one side effect is that a person becomes more silent in their tabiyya. 
they become more silent. Hmm? There was an Urdu poet, he expressed this in a way, he said that the calm and silence of the ocean speaks to the raging, flowing river. The calm and silent ocean says to the raging, flowing river that the grace of something lies in, its, in the quieter that it is. Allah Akbar. Kehraye shore darya se samandar ka sukoot jiska jitna zarf hai utna hi wo khamosh hai. And it's true. When you look in the natural world, the ocean is considered greater than the river. The ocean is considered greater than the river. The greatest body of water is the ocean. And the larger the ocean, the more still it is. Allah Akbar Kabira. So silence is sensible. Silence is confident. And talking all the time is a sign of foolishness. So in Urdu this is called batuni. In English it means to be a chatterbox. Hmm? Allah Akbar Kabira. Chatterbox. So I'll tell you a secret. When I was in third grade, third grade, I won chatterbox award from my teacher. Because I used to talk so much in class. I still remember. She came and gave me chatterbox award. Allah Akbar. Tarbiya. Huh? I got tarbiya done. Hmm? Ajeeb? Hmm? So there's men like that also now. Huh? MashaAllah, we see in Sunnah Itikaf, SubhanAllah. Huh? The men said, no, 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 no. The women, the women like to say, no, that no, it's just we are falsely accused. Our whole gender has been mislandered that we talk a lot. So I think the men of Sunnah Itikaf are trying to take your side. Huh? They're trying to say, yes, no, no, it's also in this gender. Hmm? This addiction to talking. That's what I'm talking about. Addiction to talking, non-stop talking. Hmm? So you must learn silence. This silence helps and cures a person. Oh, it's a great antidote. Silence is a vaccine rather. Silence is a vaccine against the sins of the tongue. Hmm? So many people will be saved on the Day of Judgment due to their silence, let alone due to their speech. The silence will save them on the Day of Judgment from the fire of Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala will say, your husband said this angry word to you. He will say, Ya Rabb, I was silent. You go to Jannah. Hmm? Allah Ta'ala will say, your mother-in-law, she said this to you. You say, Ya Allah, I was silent. Or you go to Jannah. Hmm? Oh, these people were backbiting about you. Say, I was silent. You go to Jannah. Oh, they were belittling you. They were hurting you. They were doing tasheer of you. Say, I was silent. Go to Jannah. Hmm? Can you imagine? Silence will take a person to Jannah. And silence is so easy. Huh? No effort required. No effort required. Hmm? Then in English they come up with another term. Like they had this white lie fib. They call it slip of the tongue. Allah Bernard Dean says, you slip. You slip of the tongue, you can slip into Jahannam. It's a dangerous slip. If you slip with your foot, you might fall and hurt your physical body. If you slip with your tongue, you will fall and hurt your ruh, your kalb. Hmm? What if your word slips? How many times men they come with this fatwa? You know I share with you when I was in Mufti course I used to hate the fatwas of divorce. I refused. I would secretly then I got caught but they would come I would pass them off to the other students. I couldn't deal with this. Hmm? Such a long letter you would read and it's just actually they need tarbiyah. They don't need fatwa. It's too late. I would feel they'd reach me too late. What's the point of me giving? I have to give them fatwa obviously. They need the fatwa but it's so sad. 
the stories they would write on such small, minor things. You said the word divorce. Hmm? Slip of the tongue. Allah Akbar Kabira. Once a sheikh, he explained it this way, that once there was a person sheikh, he was passing by, and he heard a young man use some inappropriate speech. So he said, young man, what type of letter did you just send to Allah? Allah Akbar, look how he explained. What type of letter did you just send to Allah subhanahu wa Means the words you say, they're immediately, obviously, Allah ta'ala, As-Sami'ul Aleem, Al-Khabirul Basir, they're immediately sent to Allah subhanahu wa Hmm? And all of you know, everything will be written in the book of deeds. Like that verse that we recited earlier, مَا يَلْفُذُمْ مِنْ قَوْلٍ That there is no word that is uttered, there is no single qawlin, there is no speech uttered, but that it is found and recorded by, it is observed by water near them. إِلَّا لَيْهِ لَقِيبٌ Allah Akbar. So all of this, every word we said in our whole life will be presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Akbar Kabira. Then there was a shaykh, his name was Shaykh Yahya ibn Imwad, al-Radi Rimulatala. He used to say that the heart is like your dish and the tongue is like the spoon. What does it mean? That the spoon only takes out what's in the dish, right? So, mashallah, you love it in your South African English, dish out. Huh? SubhanAllah, you dish out with people sometimes with your tongue. Huh? The dish out, the spoon only takes out whatever is in the dish. So what does it mean? It means if the tongue dishes out lying or slandering or backbiting or hurtful speech or belittling, it means the heart has that filth. It can only be coming from the heart. The tongue is the spoon and the heart is the dish. Allahu Akbar Kabira, subhanAllah. These mashayikh, they understood clearly this insan. They spent their life understanding how to do tarbiyat of insan. Like you have a master gardener, he will say for 40 years, that you will say, yes, I know then this person can understand the plant, what nurtures the plant, what nourishes the plant, how to help the plant grow. Just like these mashayikh, kibare oliya, all of us, we were like their plants, and they were the master gardeners. They were the master gardeners. And muhaddithin, and when they comment on this hadith, some muhaddith, when they comment on this hadith, al-Muslimun man salam al-Muslimun min lisani wa yadi, he said that the women have more problem with the lisan part, and the men have more problem with the yad part. It means that women have difficulty controlling their tongues, and men have difficulty controlling their hands. But it means a kinai, it means that women have more difficulty than men in controlling their speech, and men have more difficulty than women in controlling their actions. And yes, this is something we really we've observed this in the training of people. That this is a problem. This is a problem. Hmm? And when the man does this, it's actually his failure. When he acts, acts in a reaction, acts out of anger. Allah hmm? does what is absolutely haram. Absolutely haram if he physically abuses his wife. Absolutely haram. Hmm? If he does that, so that's his action. That's his failure. Actually, when you resort to action, you're accepting your failure that you cannot resolve the matter to wisdom and speech. That's when you resort to action. So it's actually a failure to resolve the matter through wisdom and speech. Hmm? So the men also, they should never raise their hand towards the women and the children. This is wrong. Right? That is a separate thing. That there is one verse in Quran that this is mentioned in some type of last resort. That is one slight slap 
Nabi Kareem sallallahu said, it will have less pain as if you hit someone with a miswak. So what's a miswak? You can think like a pencil. So if you take one pencil and you hit someone once with one pencil, that actually doesn't have any real physical effect. That actually is meant to have a psychological effect. It's just an expression of your displeasure. Like they say in English, the phrase slap on the wrist. So that's what's meant in that verse. Slap on the wrist. That type of thing. There's no concept in deen that physical abuse of women and physical abuse of a wife is allowed in our deen. Khair, though we're addressing ladies, so, but still, uh, it's important that men and women, they both know these things. They both know these things. I will mention a few small points now and then we will conclude because time is running out. And like I said, we will inshallah ta'ala continue this talk tomorrow. But let me then today fast forward and give you some of the lessons so that there is some concluding. Some concluding notes for this part one of today. Our mashaykh, they said a beautiful thing. They said that when you sit in front of an alim, you should be careful about what you say. When you sit in front of the ulama, you should guard your tongue. And he said that when you sit in front of the Ahlullah, when you sit with the awliya, you should guard your heart. You should be careful of what you feel. Allahu Akbar. When you sit with ulama, you should be careful of what you say. When you sit with awliya, you should be careful of what you feel. Why? When you sit with the ulama, and if you say something incorrect, slip of the tongue, if something slips out of your tongue, with the ulama, he will give you fatwa on that. He will give you fatwa on that. And if you sit with the awliya, and you don't, guard your feelings when you're with them, then you will be mahroom, you will be deprived and bereft of the benefit of sitting in their company. So you will be outwardly doing kunu ma sadiqeen, but you sat like a kadhab with them. Hmm? So if your kadhab comes and sits with the sadiqeen, he will not be able to benefit. And there's so many stories of this, that some people they would go to a shaykh to test them, to scrutinize them, to criticize them, to evaluate them, to analyze them. They would sit in the whole gathering and they would not be able to benefit because at that moment they were sitting like a kadhab. Their feelings were wrong, their feelings were false. So guard your tongue with the ulama, be careful about what you say with the ulama, guard your heart when with the awliya, be careful what you feel when you're with the awliya. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Allahu Akbar Kabira. So these were some teachings we shared. i go a few more minutes with you because I won't be able to finish it tomorrow either. Hmm? Uh-huh. Another thing our mashaykh say, that the longer your tongue, the shorter your life. What does it mean? I mean, not necessarily mean physically in terms of your physical lifespan. It means the longer your tongue, the more you speak, the less barakah in your time. So you might live 60 years, but it will be like you live 40 years. Because you spent too much time talking. Excessive time talking. So the longer your tongue, the shorter your life. So many times women they say that, oh I can't get my things done, I don't have barak in my time, every day I'm running to and fro, I have to take care of the kids, I have to take care of the home, I have to be with my husband when he comes home, I have my own ibadat I want to do, I'm trying to learn my ilm of deen, I'm trying to do all these things, then sometimes guests come, and sometimes unforeseen things come, I'm not able, I've, every day I feel like I'm in this race. So st- stop talking, start talking less, shorten your tongue, Allah Ta'ala will expand your life. Shorten your speech, lessen your speech, Allah Ta'ala will expand your day, He will put more barakah in your day. Then you will do two hours work of one hour. 
Now you say you do one hour's work, it takes me two hours. Allah hmm? Akbar. Ajeeb, these are called ma'arif. We call this in our line of the self, these are the ma'arif of the mashayikh. These are their deep, hmm, deep insights, their spiritual insights of wisdom. Hmm? And we must be guided by that. We must be guided by that. Then hmm? one shaykh, he explained it this way, that you should listen more and talk less. You should listen more and talk less. And he said that people, they keep their mouth open all the time. So he said that, oh person, if you keep your mouth open, the fly will enter your mouth. If only when you keep your mouth closed, then the fly will not enter your mouth. Hmm? So what he meant is we should listen more and talk less. This is, and just I will explain this point, this is one of the major things that can save our relationships. This can save marriages. This can save teacher-student relationship. This can save parent-child relationship. This can save sibling relationship. This can save in-law relationship. This can save fellow muqtadi relationship. This can save fellow committee member relationship. This can save fellow imam relationship. This can save imam muqtadi relationship. This can save the relationship. Listen more, talk less. Listen more, talk less. So one shaykh, he explained it this way, that look, Allah Ta'ala has given us two ears and one tongue. Huh? To listen, Allah Ta'ala gave us two ears, and to talk, He gave us only one tongue. Hmm? So it means we should listen twice as much as we should speak. We should listen twice as much as we speak. So listen more and talk less, and listen first and talk second. Listen first, talk second. It's very broad. It means understand the situation first. Understand the reality. Don't just look at the smoke. Understand is there before you shout fire, fire. Don't just look at the smoke. Maybe it's a false alarm. Listen means understand. Listen first, understand first, talk second. Understand first, decide second. Appreciate first, decide second. Compromise first, decide second. Tolerate first, decide second. Hmm? Give that person a chance first, then you decide second. Give that person a chance to explain first, then you decide second. Inquire first, decide second. If we were to follow this, again, a lot of the sins, sins that we do with our tongue, we would be safe from that. We make dua that Allah Ta'ala accept each and every one of us, all the women who are listening, all who are present in the hall, all the men in the masjid, all the men who may be listening. May Allah Ta'ala accept us for these teachings. May Allah Ta'ala help us to safeguard our tongue, to purify our tongue, protect us from the sins of tongue, protect us from all the harms we've done with the tongue. وَآخِرُ da'wana And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Before we make dua, we practice our silent zikr, sit for a few moments in silence, sit in reflection sit in contemplation make near that your heart is making the zikr of Allah Ya Allah I still my tongue so that my heart may flow for so long I've let my tongue flow and yes Ya Rab now I want my heart to flow with you my heart to flow with your name I make near that the river of the zikr of your name is silently flowing from my heart as if my spiritual qalb is calling Allah Allah Allah
wives, affectionate wives, kind wives, put peace and sukoon in the marriages again, put peace and sukoon in the home again, it will become take out the filth that is in our heart, that keeps being dishing out on the spoon, take out the anger from our heart, take out the envy from our heart, take out the plotting from our heart, take out the scheming from our heart, take out the burning hatred for others from our heart, take out every resentment and grudge from our heart, let it be clean, take out all the malice and ill will from our heart, make our heart pure, Ya Rab, purify this heart, save us from every slip of the tongue, save us from every sin of the tongue, save us from every slide of the tongue, put barakah in our time, Ya Rabbi Kareem, barakah in our words, barakah in our speech, barakah in our silence, help us, Ya Allah, help us, Ya Rab, forgive us, Ya Rahman, forgive us, Ya Ghaffar, Ya that we make ask that you accept all the duas of all the women who are listening, accept their silent plea, accept their secret cry, fulfill all their needs, forgive all their sins, make them from taqiyya naqiyya, make them from the awliya women of this ummah, Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, and guide us to the teachings of our Mashaikh, guide us to those paths, guide us to the shayukh, who will protect us, Ya Allah, who will guide us, Ya Allah, who will teach us these things, let their teachings inspire us, let their teachings affect us, let their teachings transform us, accept each and every one of us, Ya Rabbi, for the path of tarbiyah, tazkiyah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Rabbana takammal minna innaka anta samiyul alim wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabur rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in birahmatika ya arhamar rahimin